The following talk was given at Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Please visit our website at milehighchurch.org. I love you, and I'm so grateful you're here. Concluding today a four-part series called Reflections, A Journey of Love, and it's just been a, an opportunity for me to course over these 42 years and uh, remind myself of some of the moments that taught me, evolved me, grew me, and uh, I pray that it's been uh, a blessing or supportive of you. And I've, I've really wanted to uh, make this, this transition into my rewirement, as I like to call it, <laughs> um, a thoughtful uh, and graceful one. Uh, and, and that it be a, a gentle and a healing passage uh, into the new chapter for Mile High Church and for me. Uh, that's what I've really wanted it to be, that, that graceful. I didn't want it to be like this. You know, that's, that's not the way I wanted it to go. <laughs> so uh, today, in this, my uh, final talk to you as, my, as a senior minister here, I thought I'd want to impart to you some keys for a great life. And really that title comes from a conversation and an experience I had with my uh, predecessor and my beloved mentor and friend, Dr. Fred Vogt. I've told you a lot about him this, uh, this month. Uh, but we were at a convention of all of our churches and centers in the early 80s in California. And uh, at 6 a.m. in the morning, I was awakened by a call in my room from Fred. And he sounded terrible. And he said, Raj, I'm supposed to speak to 200 of these delegates at this, this meeting today, and I feel terrible. I can't do it. You've got to go do it for me. I said, Fred, who are these people? And what? I don't have anything prepared, Fred. What in the world am I going to go tell them? And Fred said, Raj, you just go tell them what we tell people every Sunday. You just go tell them that they can have a great life. And I did. And it worked out. And I've been doing that for 43 years uh, (laughs) since. (laughs) I'm here to tell each and every one of you blessed souls, you can have a great life because you are a great spirit. And I know that about you, even if you don't. And this church holds that truth about you and is supporting you and embracing that. And really the key thing is to get more in touch with the great spirit within and to believe in that. Then it seems that the forces of the universe align in your favor and things unfold. You can have a great life. I remember one time when I didn't believe that either. It was early in my ministry. Um, I was an associate minister here and I had some challenges, some problems, some setbacks. I disappointed myself and, and, and I needed to, to get something because I was feeling low. And you know, we ministers are humans too, you know. We're leaning into our growth just like you. So being a Colorado boy, I've always loved the mountains and nature, so I drove up into the mountains and I drove and found a place to park and I walked into the forest, a heavily forested area, and I found there were some rocks that I could actually lay on, kind of like a lounge chair in a way. Uh, and, and I just laid there and looked up and I saw the, the, the old growth trees uh, climbing into the sky and I saw the blue sky and the sun up there. and I just basked in that and sort of breathed into it and released a bunch of stuff. But then it dawned on me that... The trees I was looking at had been through it. They'd been through blizzards and rains and droughts and all manner of things. And that the only reason they were standing and standing tall was because they had deeper roots. 
deep, deep roots. And in fact, I was, went on to learn that almost all those trees had root systems as deep as they stretched high into the sky. And that's what sustained them. And when I got that inspiration about deep roots, I went back and I stopped blaming people and I stopped the self-pity and the victimhood and I started the prayer work and I started exploring higher understandings and I came out of that. And so the keys I want to leave you with today um, are really about deeper roots. Deeper roots for the great life. And the first thing is deeper roots in consciousness. I believe that's the greatest gift we have is the, the ability to form and to cultivate a consciousness. Our, our, our mental understandings, but even more so our subconscious uh, realizations and, and the act, actions of our heart. That's our consciousness. And, and our consciousness goes before us to announce our coming. Uh, our consciousness is the creative element that vibrates from us, that is acted upon by the universal creative law of this universe, the power that forms all things. And to, to be diligent in our refining of our consciousness and re-enchanting of our consciousness this is the name of the game for a great life, without a doubt. And this isn't just an occasional little prayer tossed off or an affirmation here or there. It's, it's that we realize that we're on a path of spiritual maturing and, and that we're called to deepen ourselves as we also enjoy the wonderful aspects of life, to deepen our roots in our consciousness This is not just a philosophy, a heady philosophy to pleasure yourself with. This is a way of living. Science of mind and spirit is a way of being. And our founder knew that. And he yearned, as I believe all great master teachers, he yearned that we would take this on and really live it. In fact, in the conclusion to his mighty, mighty classic work, The Science of Mind, he said, what the world needs is spiritual conviction followed by spiritual experience. I would rather see a student of this science prove its principle than to have them repeat all the words of wisdom that have ever been uttered. It's a practicing. It's really continuing the greatest journey, the journey from head to heart, to take these concepts, these truths, from an intellectual or theoretical understanding to the heart, to, to the level of direct experience and undeniable knowing. That's what gets you through the storms. That's what allows you to bring forth your gifts. That's what makes everything good in life. So I just call you to that. Ever deeper roots in consciousness. And while I'm at it, I want to get a few things off my chest about some misunderstandings <laughs> about this teaching. Over my four decades involved in this, I've seen uh, um, an evolution in our teaching. Early on, um, the teaching was very much centered around manifestation. How can I as a student, how can we as students manifest more in our lives? Better relationships, more abundance, uh, health, more of this and all of that. And, and we were very much uh, a movement that taught and emphasized that, that manifestation. And it's true that there's a power that we can work with, a law of mind, that can manifest greater good if we can bring to it the deep inner shifts and the higher believing in our lives. And so that was good for that time, but we evolved to not eliminate that, but to grow beyond that and to add an element, and that is the mysticism of our teaching. We are a teaching that knows that all of us live, move, and have our being in God. And as we're also teaching people to manifest and heal their lives, we're talking about how you can live in a conscious sense of oneness with that presence. 
that, that it can fill you, that it can guide you. You can feel its joy. You can know you're never alone. And, and that you can sense, uh, not just theoretically, but you can sense that we're all woven together by the great infinite love of this universe. It's, it's that, that mystic knowing that takes us deeper and makes our life even richer and more powerful. Don't miss the mysticism of this. Another thing I wanted to address was how sometimes we can get into a little unnecessary guilting. Now, you know, many of us came out of traditions that were steeped in guilt. And uh, we sought to get out from um, um, being guilted in so many ways. And, uh, but it's interesting to me that we learn this teaching of oneness and, and that everybody is a divine expression unfolding on their own perfect path. And yet we can lay guilt trips on people. Have you ever had somebody say, well, I wonder what you were thinking to have that problem, you know? Oh, I wonder what you've been thinking to bring that about. You know, I always, whenever that happens to me, I just want to give them an experience to work through, you know? I, although I'm an, I'm, I believe in nonviolence, so I really can't do that, but it brings me right to the limit, I must tell you. It's, it's up to each and every one of us to discern how we can grow through our experiences and by means of our experiences. And we don't need other people around us to chip away at us. So my mantra is mind your own spiritual business (laughs) and pray for others rather than laying on any subtle or overt guilt. And then don't guilt yourself. You know, one of the things that has vexed me is that sometimes individuals who, who don't quite get everything we're about, will go through a tough time or have something come into their life, and they'll run away. They'll leave church. And they'll say, oh, I was too ashamed to come to church. What? Why? Listen, when you and I are going through the tough times, where do we need to be? Right here. You're right there. Because, you know, this is a field. This is a vibration that can lift us, that can support us. And that's when we need to hear the truth, not run away and hide in some cave. Now, the ego wants to do that because the ego is always interested in looking good. But the truth is, when we get vulnerable and we admit that um, we're struggling, this is the place to be. Be here with our practitioners. Be here in this service. Drink it in and don't guilt yourself. Don't guilt yourself. All right? Another thing that I'd uh, like to share is never forget the importance, as we deepen in consciousness, of regular forgiving. I mean, no one of us can move through this life without having some wounds come our way, the little casual statement that pierced us or hurt, uh, or the thing done that was unnecessary and heartless. Whatever the case may be, we're called to forgive. And uh, initially, the ego doesn't want to forgive. It wants to hold on to that and defend against love, as I spoke to last week. But when we forgive, everything opens up for us. It has to be genuine. We have to be ready to grow beyond, to to understand that we have not been diminished by anybody else's actions or words. We cannot be. Uh, Only the ego took that on. And and we can let that go and continue to move forward into our greater life. Um, The the great teacher said, hey, don't even bother praying if you haven't forgiven because your unforgiveness is your most powerful energy. And that's going forth as your prayer into the universe, a prayer for separation, a prayer for continued pain, limitation and blockage in your life. Never forget the importance of regular, regular forgiving. And I also want to speak to the, the tendency at times to 
get into uh, pretty harsh judgment, uh, even in our own teaching, uh, where we regularly realize, judge not lest ye be judged, yet we sometimes do. We especially judge those who are judgmental, uh, not sometimes, you know. They are so darn judgmental, you know, and put on our little blinders as to where we're hanging out, you know. But uh, the temptation to carry loads of, of judgment, whether it's against politicians or other faiths, many are, I believe, needing a healing with Christianity um, and hold judgments about that and really miss the genius of the greatest master teacher, Jesus. Now, our founder, Dr. Holmes, really loved Jesus. He has a whole thick section in our textbook, his epic work on the teachings of Jesus. And he really felt that the teachings we have here are what that master teacher really wanted to convey. Now, of course, a lot of theological developments over centuries have added layers of stuff that I don't believe that great teacher was all about at all. But what I know is that they were a reflection of the people of that time and a reflection of those who were seeking to build up Christianity into a power. And so we've got to bless that. And, 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 but don't, don't forget that that master teacher taught what we're teaching. He taught unconditional love. He talked of, taught a faith that could heal. He taught the immortality of life. He taught what we're about. And, and so we can bless that. And we can understand that everybody finds the faith that's right for them where they're at. And we can just bless that. We don't have to rail against that. We don't have to make them wrong. Always when I come up against stuff like that, something in me says, Roger, do your inner work. It's not about them. We, don't, we see people and things not as they are, but as we are. Do your inner work, Roger. Think to pray, I tell myself. Think to pray. Take it into prayer that expands your consciousness. Deeper roots in consciousness. One last thing about this. Uh, don't forget that in this teaching, we are indeed about action as well as inner work. Uh, yeah, we have to do our inner work, but we're also meant to be the instrument of the avenue through which the spirit and the law can work. So that means we need to, to be moving and available and in action in our lives toward our greatest good. Not forcing it, but allowing ourselves to be guided. Our founder, when talking about prayer, or what he called spiritual mind treatment, he said, treat and move your feet. In other words, do your inner work, but take action as well in, in a guided and graceful way. In, um, I believe it was in 1992, uh, I was um, in my four-year saga away from Mile High, and um, Erica and the boys and I, we decided we would go up, uh, we were living in Southern California, we'd go up north to the Asilomar Conference uh, held near Pacific Grove, California, beautiful area. Dr. Holmes had created this conference years and years ago. It was an every summer event where people of our teaching from all over the world would gather in this beautiful setting and listen to lectures and do meditation and prayer. And it was a wonderful thing. And I, I missed it. And I said, let's go up there. And I went, so we did. We drove up. And uh, also Dr. Fred was there. And we got to have a little reunion with Fred. And uh, one day, in, when it was breakfast time and we were going to the dining hall, and I walked in, and then there was this large circle of people gathered around a table holding hands. I didn't know what it was, so I looked through. And there in the middle was Dr. Fred, and he was kind of slumped over. And I burst through the circle. I said, what's going on? I said, well, I don't know. He just sort of slumped over, and we're all in prayer. And I tried to rouse him a little, and he was kind of, he couldn't, he was out of it a little bit. And I said, oh, my God, has anybody here called an ambulance? And they all Oh, no. Well, call the blessed ambulance. 
and keep praying, but call the ambulance. And just, I'll never forget that. You know, there are times where you need to do your prayer work, but call the ambulance and do the thing <laughs> that you need to do. There may be action accompanying your consciousness, deeper roots in consciousness for a greater and greater life. Then secondly, I would say deeper roots in compassion. You know, having hung out with the Dalai Lama several times, which was such a pleasure, I could feel the vibration of his consciousness. It was unmistakable. His English was broken, but his communication of love, undeniable. And you know, uh, he carries a lot, has carried for, for a long time so much that would cause all of us to go to our knees in heartache. But he's a joyous being. He giggles all the time when he comes into a room and he exudes compassion. And I think that that's a deepening for all of us. A great life is where we so love life that we stand for it, whether it's our environment or those who, who aren't as privileged as we are, those who are struggling, uh, those who are disenfranchised or discriminated against, to have that compassion. And those who are struggling... Uh, to, to, to bring our full heart of compassion wherever we are. Uh, it's not only allowing God to express as us, it truly enriches our lives to the deepest of levels. How could you put deeper roots into compassion? You'll be so glad you did. Thirdly, deeper roots into Commitment. Great people are unmistakably committed people. They know what they're about. They know what they care about. They're in integrity to it. They get involved. They don't just sit on the sidelines and complain. They get involved and they make the difference that they can as they give their own gifts. I believe that's a key to a greater and greater life. Deeper roots in our commitment. I got to tell you, around here, we have so many beautifully committed people so many of our longtime members who've, who've stood strong in this church for years and years. And I want to, very specially from my heart, acknowledge that we have one of the most committed, skilled, loving, and honorary staffs in, the, in any company, any organization, anywhere. And I love them. And they serve us so lovingly dedicated, devotedly. Um, they're just miraculous people. And I ask whoever could to be here so that we could just shower them with a little love. Our staff, would you, I think some of you were able to be here today. Would you stand so that we can just love and bless you guys? Yeah, there. Yeah. And some of them are out tending to things up in the booth or um, behind us here. Just thank you. I've loved working with you. Absolutely loved it. Commitment. How could you deepen your roots in commitment? Commitment to what matters to you. You'll find it in your heart. Commitment to making a difference in this world. You know, it's easy to get so discouraged, but you know what? Take heart. We were made for this time. We were made for this time. And commitment to, to living full out. Uh, commitment to, to your joy and your enthusiasm. Committed people are enthusiastic in this life. And I love that. I love that. My youngest son, Bobby, um, when he was ten year, coming up to his 10th birthday, I asked him, 
We were living in California at the time. What would you like for your birthday? And he said, Dad, I want you to take me and my buddy to Magic Mountain, which was a big amusement park, and I want us to get there when it opens, and I want to stay till it closes. And I gulped and agreed. And so the day came, and it was so early, it was dark. We scarfed down some breakfast, hopped in the car, drove up uh, from Orange County to Simi Valley to pick up his friend, then drove a little further north to Magic Mountain, Six Flags. And we were there when it opened, and off those two ran. I couldn't keep up. They were running all over the place. They were giddy with excitement, having the time of their lives. It could, at one point, they couldn't even decide which ride to go to, but finally they made a choice, and off they went. Then it was to that one, to the other one. They were saying no to the scary ones, uh, but they were going to all these that they were called to. They had a great time, and I'm just trying to hold things and keep up. And then I finally sat them down for about 10 minutes for a couple of pieces of pizza at lunch, and then... They were off, going it again, and this time they were taking on the scary rides, and they were riding the ones that were scary, and they were getting off, and they were even more elated as we all do when we finally do the thing we fear and realize we survived, and they were just going from ride to ride to ride. Finally, I heard the most beautiful words. I said, the park is closing. Please gather your belongings. Make your way to the exits. Thank you. And I said, no, thank you. Boys. And we got there and we dragged ourselves across this mammoth parking lot to our car. I gave, I think, a few piggyback rides on the way. Tossed those boys in the back seat and drove out of the lot. And by the time I found my way to the freeway, they were both passed out in the back seat. Drove home, dropped off his friend, drove to our house. Couldn't stir Bobby, so I picked them up. Carried him in, carried him upstairs to his bed, tossed him in his bed, pulled off his sneakers and threw a quilt over him. But I had the presence of mind before I turned out the light to just look at him. And, you know, there was just this look on his face, this, this peace, but yet this alive, quiet, like, I lived this day. <laughs> Nothing held back at all I lived this day and I said I want that that's what I want I don't want to hold back do you want to hold back in this life deeper roots in the commitment to go for it make a difference give your gifts go for it one more the great life is about deeper roots in community You know, we are relational beings. We're interdependent. And uh, so community is a deeply important thing. And it's one of the long, age-old spiritual practices to be in a community of high consciousness. Because when we come into this place, yeah, there's great music and hopefully a great talk and great people to be around, but there's a field. There's an energetic field that is healing, uplifting, extraordinary and it helps us maintain our own personal fields and expand them because there's an amplification that goes on here and so understand that about this marvelous thing and sustain that and then I reflect on the incredible heritage of our 60 year old Mile High Church and all that it has created and all that it has done, all the incredible people who've served it and loved it all their days. It's just been a remarkable thing. I think of the many experiences we've had 
not only developing this campus, but reaching out into the world. Wonderful events. Like there used to be a time, you know, Fred's birthday and my birthday were only a week apart. So there was a time when we would buy out the whole Country Dinner Playhouse, which was a dinner theater we used to have, and we'd sell it all to mile hires, and it'd be all mile hires. We'd have this wonderful time. It, that's just, it sticks out as part of the magic. The mile high magic has always been one of the greatest things about this incredible community. And the people who support it, serve it, week in, week out, like precious Jody West, who's been a volunteer around here for over 40 years, precious Jody, who's served in so many capacities. There was a time when we, we ran bingo two nights a week at a bingo parlor here because we needed the money to, to help the church along in the early 90s. And we did that for 10 years, two nights a week. And Jody was there almost every single night, along with my mom and Marjorie Stom and many other committed volunteers. That's just one of the examples of the people who have made this great. You have made Mile High great. And that's what I love, and I acknowledge this. And may we continue to keep this community strong and vital. If there's anything in the world you could do for me as I take this step, the thing I want totally is that Mile High remains strong, that we love it and are devoted to it, and we continue even more fervently right now in a transitionary time to support it and keep it strong, bringing our friends, filling this place, soaking in this energy, putting in deeper roots in our community. Now, I want to pause here and ask our beloved new lead ministers to get on up here, because I want to have a little chat with them. <laughs> no, I just asked. Are we in trouble? <laughs> Already. Already. <laughs> Dr. Michelle and Reverend Josh, I take this opportunity just to remind you that... Um, I stand in total support of you uh, as we go into this next chapter. I know who you are. You're both very accomplished, former senior ministers of vibrant communities. You're the best of the best in our movement. You're incredible teachers and speakers and leaders. And um, I could not be more grateful that you're here, that you decided to join us. And I know that the leadership you'll provide will help this community be even more deeply rooted. And so I bless you on this day. And... Uh, as I begin to hand over the reins, and uh, it's, it's going to be so good. And I, I know there's a lot on your hearts that I want to give you a little space today to express. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm very touched by um, your message today and very clear that it feels to me like as a community and, and in my own heart as a minister that we're uh, endeavoring on a huge trust walk together. Mm-hmm. Think about those people who do the fire walks. They got nothing on us, right? <laughs> <laughs> We're walking together in faith and trust, and it's an opportunity for us to dig even deeper into our teaching, into uh, being the beloved community, and trusting all that is about to unfold that we can't even see. We can't see the future necessarily. We just know this moment. I heard something yesterday that really spoke to me, and it was um, the, the anxious person's edict is worry feverishly, details to follow. <laughs> But the trusting person's edict is everything will be okay, details to follow. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what I'm living and I think what we're living, that's right. that we get to walk forward and the details are to follow. And we get to stand together and walk together in that trust and, and take the wonderful legacy of Dr. Fred and all those who came before him and mm-hmm. you, you and your ministry. And Josh and I have a chance to walk together with this community that we love 
And I stand in full trust of my own minister's heart right now in front Mm -hmm. of you. And I'm committed to that. I'm committed to you. And I'm trusting our community and Mile High Church to continue to just thrive and thrive and walk this walk together in our teaching powerfully for ourselves and for our world. So thank you for walking with us. Amen. Mm -hmm. And what I know about uh, Michelle, she found this community when she was 14 years old. And uh, I think it, it grew her, and now she gets the opportunity to, to, to grow it and in incredible ways as it continues to grow us both, I know, as well. And in the, the Gospel of Mark, when, when Jesus, the master teacher, is, is, is baptized, I like that this happens at the, the beginning of his ministry. He hears a, a voice that says, uh, You are my beloved. My favor rests in, in you. And... I get the sense that that was the the message that Dr. Roger got when he began his ministry. And he didn't just say, oh, isn't that great? Uh, But he he realized that, and this is why it becomes at the beginning of ministry, is is that's what ministry is. It's creating this this space, uh, this sanctuary, so that that each and every person can have that opportunity to to know uh, that that deepest uh, message from the Spirit for all of our lives, that, that you are beloved, that a spirit's favor rests in you. And, and that's, that's our work. That's the work that we do. That's the work that you've been doing for, for over 40 years. And that's what is at the the heart of the mile high magic that Dr. Rogers is talking about, that there's this great blessing that happens when we get to know that there's a power greater than we are that's in and active and cares about our lives. But there's this greater blessing that comes when we get to help others know it too. that's the magic here that's the space we're getting to create that's our job and and we're and we're going to do it well uh not just for dr roger because uh, this has been the most successful ministry our our movement has ever had and yes dr roger has been leading it uh, but but so have you you've all been a part of co-creating that whether you've been here 10 minutes 10 years uh, 30 years uh, you're all a part of the co-creation of that and, and we just get to keep it going we get to keep it going, uh, not with a lot of pressure, but with a whole lot of joy. Because I, I think someone said this life is joy sometimes. Do you know who said yeah. that, Dr. Roger? familiar. That would be a great book really title. Yeah. Good advice. Our new lead ministers. I know you'll love them, support them. Yeah. I love you, Mitch. Love you, Josh. I am so grateful for those two. And I know that uh, a lot of my own growth was so activated by your love and your support. So lavish them with that along with our staff and our ministerial team. And uh, we're going and growing. So I want to close this by just saying how grateful I am. How profoundly grateful I am to this incredible church. uh, To my dear Dr. Fred, my mom, to my family. Uh, to you, my church family, uh, how great it is. And I'm so grateful. I love you. And before we pray, I think I'll just convey this in an interesting, different way than I ever have. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sing you a song, whether you like it or not. And with, with apologies to our really great musicians here at Mile High, and Daniel Nimod, 
this I think could be how I will bring this to a close. change are blowing wild and free you ain't seen nothing like us yet when evening shadows and the stars appear and there's no one there to dry your tears I would hold you for a million years to make you feel my love Make you happy, make your dreams come true There's nothing that I wouldn't do Go to the ends of the earth for you To make you feel my love I could make you happy, make your dreams come true There's nothing that I wouldn't do Go to the ends of the earth for you To make you feel my love To make you feel my love To make you feel my love God bless you, beloved ones. Thank you. By the way, that will not be my second career. (laughs) Let's have a prayer together. Oh, infinite spirit of divine love, we give thanks 
But your never-failing love is always finding an outlet to celebrate the highest reality, the indestructible reality of spirit and love. And I know Mile High Church to be just that. And so as we each and every one of us embrace that greater life that is accorded to us, I know we just are deepening, becoming stronger in consciousness and compassion and commitment and community and moving forward with great heart to be a part of the answer in these times, letting our lights shine. I am so grateful. I know each and every one of us is whole, perfect, and complete, and unfolding perfectly, and all is well. And I bless my only church that we go forward dynamically into our greater yet to be. And with profound gratitude, I accept this. I know it is so. We release it in divine right action, declaring together, and so it is. And so I am. And so we are. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Mile High Church Podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. If you'd like to make a donation, text 720-230-1404 or visit us at milehighchurch.org.